The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Today on Kroll Call, do you turn on the radio and think, hmm, I think I've heard that song somewhere before. Well, there's a good reason your favorite song may sound familiar. It could be Stolen. Tim English is here to talk all about musical plagiarism. Then, Tony nominee and pop star Orfe is here to tell us all about her real-life story of one of her songs being stolen. That's what's coming up today on Kroll Call. Welcome to another episode of Kroll Call. How are you? I hope that you're having a good week. If you weren't having a good week, I hope that you have a good weekend and that we're a part of it. Maybe this will be the turning point in an otherwise crappy week. Hopefully it doesn't make it worse. I mean, it can't possibly. We are here live today. It is February 19th. We are more than halfway through the month of February, almost two months down in 2016. This is really kind of crazy. I don't know. It seems like 2016 is going really, really fast. And I think even beyond that, it seems like there's been a lot of big news and a lot of big things happening so far this year. I don't know if it's because it's a leap year or if it's something else. But actually, as a complete and total random aside, I have to... uh, reveal one of my overheards that I had recently. Someone was discussing the fact that 2016 is a leap year and someone uh, in the other aisle of the grocery store, I heard them saying to the person who mentioned it was a leap year, uh, something along the lines of, how do they decide when it's a leap year? It just seems like it happens every couple, every so often, whenever they feel like doing it. Uh, I wanted to go over into the next aisle and be like, listen, Sparky, it's every four years, but I didn't have the, the heart to do that. And I think a lot of the kids are thrown by leap years now because we used to be able to plan it around when there were Olympics. If there was an Olympics, it was a leap year, call it a day, you were good. But now that they've split up the summer games and the winter games, you never know when it's a leap year. It's completely aside to anything that I planned to say here at the top of the show, but it's actually a good representation of what goes on on the show. You never really know what's going to happen from week to week. There will be me. There will be possibly a guest, maybe more than one. And we talk about all sorts of things. And with that, I want to know what you want to hear us talk about on the show. We talk about everything from things that are serious, like health conditions. We have had folks on who help us manage our stress or teach us mindfulness and meditation. We do talk about food. We have a bunch of other silliness. We talk about music, which is one of the things coming up today. But I want to know, what shows have you enjoyed the most? What shows would you like to hear? Are there guests that you'd like to hear? Or are there topics that maybe you enjoy or topics that we haven't covered that you'd like us to talk about? Send me a message on the Twitter machine. You can either tweet at Kroll Call Show or at Dan J. Kroll. One is for the show. One is for me. I read them both because I'm everywhere uh, that I need to be. So let me know what you think. You can also go to our website at 
krollcall.com and send a message there or submit your feedback. I do read everything. I take everything to heart. So be nice. I mean, you don't have to be. I'm just saying you should be nice. It's, I think, a, a good use of the internet. Let me know what's going on and I'll try to bring them to you in the weeks and months ahead before we are celebrating another calendar year and I'm talking about how the year seems to be going by so fast. Now, today we are going to be talking about music in most of this show. We're going to do something a little fun in just a couple of moments, but I think that I may have turned into the old cranky man who yells at the kids to get off their lawn. Why do I say this? Well, because when I flip on the radio, and for the kids out there who are listening, a radio is what Spotify was before computers were invented. Well, anyway, it seems like a lot of the songs sound exactly the same to me. Now, in fairness, when I listen to one of my serious XM countdowns, Every weekend, you know, they do a a countdown of the top, however many hits of any given year. For me, there have been a lot of periods in music when I think the songs sound a lot alike. There are new wave songs. Some of them had a tendency to sound alike. I think there were a lot of disco songs that sounded an awful lot alike. But what's the difference between songs that sound similar and songs that are just outright theft? Well, we're going to be finding out what the difference is coming up at about the 20 minute mark this week when Tim English drops by to talk about his book, Sounds Like Teen Spirit. There's a longer title. I'll reveal that later. Don't have the time to do it now. It's actually kind of funny, but we're going to be going on a journey of musical plagiarism through the years. That I think is going to be fun and I think everyone will be able to relate to it. And then coming up in the second half hour of this week's show, I'm going to be joined by a recording artist, Orfei, a friend of mine. She's going to be here to talk about one of her songs that was borrowed. And I'm over here air quoting. I'm sure that's obnoxious, but thanks. It's radio. You don't see me doing it, but I'm borrowed. Without her permission, we'll get all the details on that coming up. But before we get to the music part, let's get to the blankety blank blank. Okay, fear not. This show hasn't been censored and I haven't decided to lose my mind and take up cursing like a sailor on air. It's all part of a fill in the blank fun that is villain de blanks. It's a pun. It's audience interaction. It's a little bit naughty. How can you not love that? Well, Billy Mitchell is back. He's going to tell us about a special upcoming performance that benefits a really great cause and we'll have a lot of blank and fun. Billy, welcome back to Crawl Call. Hey, thank you for having me. I'm so glad to have you back. It's sort of you've become a regular recurring guest here. I like that. I, I like it more. <laughs> I'm glad. I'm, there's, I didn't think it would be possible for someone to like it more than I, but good. We have like a, a level of, of love here. So let's do the, the quick introduction. For folks who may not have caught any of your previous appearances here on the show, explain to them exactly what Villain de Blanks is, and then we'll talk about who you are and all that other good stuff. Um, so Villain de Blanks, uh, which is uh, on purpose sounds like fill in the blanks, is a, uh, a whodunit with a script full of missing words. Um, the shows generally run between 70 and 80 minutes long, and I describe them as being in three acts. The first act of the evening is your cast, um, and frequently the cast is Tony winners, Oscar winners, awesome, fun, funny, great people. They come roaming through the audience with the script in their hand. Most of them have not seen the script before the show. So they are going through page after page, filling in all the missing words that the audience gives them. The second act of the show, they take the stage and they do a cold reading for you of the script that you helped us write. 
Um, nine times out of 10, it is as funny or funnier for me as it is for anyone else in the room because <laughs> I have no idea what people are going to fill the words in with. Um, then we count some ballots because there's a, it's a whodunit uh, sort of plot to it. Um, I put the plot in air quotes. And uh, then we do a big uh, confession at the end for whoever the audience votes as the guilty party. So that's kind of the three parts of the evening. It's funny to me because uh, you, there used to be a time where this show relied a lot on people calling in. Mm-hmm. And for me, I never knew quite what to expect. You know, occasionally there'd be someone like you who randomly would call in. We'd have a great conversation. And then on the flip side, there were times where I would get, you know, you know, somebody really <laughs> mad and angry. For me, I think I would be scared that at least on the, the one side, you could have an audience that's absolutely hilarious and is giving, you know, raunchy answers, funny answers, works out well. <laughs> Do you ever have any fear that, you know, people are going to give horrible <laughs> blanks oh, or well, like I mean, red. My well, my first fear is that we won't have an audience because oh, okay. trying to get audiences to shows like this are so difficult because they're all one night only things. And there's no advertising budget, which makes folks like you who put me on the air super duper valuable. My next worry after that uh, is more that there'll be a table of people who are kind of duds. If we have an audience of at least twenty five or thirty then chances are good all 25 or 30 of them aren't going to be, you know, without any sort of linguistic skills. Now, that being said, we have done it at venues that, um, you know, advertise as being a dinner club or a supper club here in the city. And one time we had a, a table with a full family. I think the youngest was possibly 12 or 13 years old. And none of them actually spoke English except for the kids and not that well. So I don't know how they wound up at our show, <laughs> and I don't know how much fun they actually had, but they seemed to enjoy it, and, you know, they paid their bill at the end, so I guess everything was fine. Um, but I do, I have a little pep talk I do with the cast where I am active while they're all roaming through the tables, and because I have people who have some notoriety in their profession, I will make sure that I am maintaining eye contact with all six of my cast members, and if someone is uncomfortable, I can remove them and say, hey, this table hasn't had anyone yet, and I'll just take them away, or if a table is, you know, not very interesting, then I can do the same thing. If, if they're asking for adjectives and all you've got is gray and beige, then I will say, hey, let's go over to this table over here because they still, <laughs> you know, it's, we try to traffic it a little. I was going to offer my suggestion of what I do. Mine is always, oh, oh, no. So, oh, we've lost Billy. Oh, Billy, I'm sorry that we've lost. That's you. <laughs> That's what you can That'd do on radio. Standing in front of them. <laughs> <laughs> you need one of those Mr. Burns buttons or, you know, the little trap door and the, the whole table disappears. I'm, I'm just offering suggestions. <laughs> I'm just going to step in front of the cast and go, sorry, we're losing you. <laughs> sorry. You know, flick, have somebody flick the light switch and, you know, oh, you know, wait, oh sorry, we're having a power uh, and then sneak everybody out. I don't know. Just a thought. So... <laughs> With that, I do want to make sure that we mention there is an upcoming, there's a lot of upcoming appearances, but the one that is most recent is coming up on the 29th of February. It is a leap. I've heard it's a leap year. Leap heard, day. Yeah. <laughs> I've, I've heard that, you know, I heard it in the grocery store. Otherwise, I, I would not have known. But this one in particular is special because it does benefit uh, a pretty amazing charity. Let's let's get to that. It benefits the Michael J. Fox Foundation for Parkinson's Research. 
How do people get to go to this? Where is it? And how can they help make a difference? Because, you know, raising money for the Michael J. Fox Foundation is definitely a good thing. Yeah, absolutely. No, it's a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful organization. And uh, the show itself is in Los Angeles. It's at a fabulous venue. I think the neighborhood is Los Files. Uh, it's this fabulous venue uh, called the Rockwell. And um, they have a little stage, have some tables, they have an amazing menu, they have a great drink menu. Um, it's sort of uh, east of Hollywood. It's easy to get to. It's um, on North Vermont Street. It's, it's super fun. Um, and to get tickets, you either go to uh, rockwellla.com, there's a hyphen there, rockwell-la, or um, go to villaindeblanks.com. Um, or, you know, any of the stuff that we've posted on Twitter or Facebook today, if you click through, you'll find the links for Villa de Blanks or for myself, and I'm happy to provide more information. But the tickets are uh, everywhere from, I think uh, we price it at $10 because some of them are very obstructed view, 10 15 and 25 So the maximum ticket price is $25. Um, and I take nothing from those, and the cast gets nothing from those. So everything, any revenue that we generate goes to the foundation that we are throwing the benefit for. So in this case, that will be 100% for the Michael J. Fox Foundation. And we'll have a little bit more information that's not quite as geographically ambiguous. I mean, I'm in, <laughs> in, in Pennsylvania. That's east of Hollywood. It's not quite uh, <laughs> as well, close. Well, in the city of Los Angeles. Okay. All right. Just making sure. I don't want, you know, somebody going to Iowa, Billy, and thinking, you know, hey, he said it was east of, of Hollywood, and here I am, and uh, nobody's showing up. That could be fun, though. It would be an interesting show. It could be. It'd be quiet. I want, <laughs> I want to also make sure that people, as I mentioned at the top of this segment, chatting with Billy Mitchell, we're talking about Villain to Blanks. The website, villaindeblanks.com. The Twitter is at Blanks. Am I correct? Yes. All right. Yeah. Now... I don't know if you know this, but we are, I mean, you should, if you were listening and paying attention, you would know we're going to be doing some music stuff coming up later in the show. So I have a a couple of little musical themed blanks. I don't know if you've brought anything to the table, but I have one if you'd like to see how you do. I would, I would very much like to see that. I want to see where your mind goes, because to me, I've played this on Twitter today. I made sure to do it under another account where you wouldn't be able to see it and be cheated. There are a couple of answers. And so what I do, I have to do that. So you're going to fill in, fill in the blank. Little red blank. Oh, Corvette. Wait, am I giving you funny answers or am I trying to fill in the name of a song I know? You're trying to figure out what it is that I wrote down on my little uh, miscellaneous, uh, what do you call those, steno pads over here. Then, then I'm going to say Corvette. You are correct. Everyone else except for one person said Little Red Riding Hood. <gasps> Ooh, well, but did they know it was musical? No, I don't have to tell okay, them Okay, well, I mean, if, if, if we weren't <laughs> doing this in a musical context, I may also have said Corvette. I mean, Could've or uh, Riding Hood. Uh, there was a wagon, there was a Little Red Wagon. There, oh, uh, yeah, Little Red Wagon. Yeah, yeah there were a yeah. couple, but Little Red Corvette is where I was going, just because I was in a musical state of mind. But then I was watching Match Game, and they had this, which... I mean, I already know what the answer is, but I love. And keep in mind, game. this is uh, sort of a family-friendly show, really, but not really. And you know, it depends oh. on what you consider family. Here it is for you. <laughs> dumb Dora is so dumb. Everyone out <laughs> is supposed to say, "How dumb is she?" How, How dumb pretend- is she? It's a good thing you asked. She's so dumb that when she was asked if she knew how to make butter, she said no. 
but I can blank a cow. Uh, this is where we play, you know, some really bad 70s porn music while they write down their answers. Oh, I know that song by heart. Pretty um, much. It, it, but I can ask, I can ask a cow. I'm trying to say family friendly. There's so many other words. <laughs> Mine immediately went to the non-family friendly version as well. Surprising. I mean, obviously, if you look at what it probably was supposed to be, like, for example, you know, when you do villain de blanks, there's a script and you take out words that were already there. So you know what they were supposed yeah. to be. I'm, theirs, I'm assuming, was milk a cow. Yes, probably. The contestant on the show said grow. <laughs> See? And that's why that show was so classic. Well, but I can that and they were drunk. Cow. I mean, they, they, let's face it. Everybody on the show was drunk. Oh, absolutely, yes. Yes, they were. Yeah, I mean, it, it's always interesting. So that's sort of in a much better way for those of you out there who are wondering what would you get yourself into if you went to see Villain de Blanks? Well, it would be better fill in the blank things than that. And <clears throat> unlike listening to this show, which just makes me happy, if you go to see Villain de Blanks, you will actually be supporting a really good cause. So I think I've done the hard sell on my part. I want to give you a chance, Billy, to tell everybody out there more of maybe what they can expect or, or other performances are coming up, or maybe more importantly, uh, let's drop some names and let people yeah. know who they can see. Um, okay, so the, we have, we have uh, two shows that are imminent within six days of each other, actually, uh, out in Los Angeles on February 29th um, at the Rockwell, which is in Los Angeles which is still a little east of Hollywood, but it's still in the city of Los Angeles. Um, we have an awesome, awesome cast. Um, we have Nicole Parker, who uh, people, fans of Mad TV, um, she was in Wicked on Broadway. Uh, she's done a bunch of stuff. She's awesome. Um, Barrett Foa is back for, I think, his fourth De Blanks with me, although we have a brand new script that we're uh, premiering this time. So he's, it'll be new for him. Um, uh, Mary Birdsong, uh, who has been on The Daily Show and Reno 911, and she was in The Nick, and she was, I think, in the movie The Descendants, and she's been in some stuff on Broadway. She's fantastic. If you look at Mary Birdsong, either on Facebook or on Twitter or whatever, she posts basically a video every day of a new character, and she is one of the funniest humans on this planet. Um, and Tom Lank, who has, uh, is in Witches of East End, and he was in Rock of Ages on Broadway. He was in uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And I would tell you his name, but I think I'm going to get it wrong. I think he played Andrew for any Buffy fans. Um, and uh, Gabrielle Ruiz, who is currently on Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. I don't remember the channel, but it's a brand new show. It's like a musical comedy show. And uh, she's awesome and super fun. And she's one of the few people who has seen the show before she's done it, because she was in the audience one time last summer for a show. Um, and then a buddy of mine named Greg Ainsworth, who has uh, had appearances on Shameless and The Comeback, and he does some producing work and stuff. That's the six folks uh, who will be on stage. And we actually have a media guest this time, which is uh, field reporter Tom uh, Perunian, I hope I'm saying his name correctly, um, who uh, is a reporter for KABC LA, which is a, a talk radio show uh, channel out there, talk radio station. Um, so there's some awesome, awesome people. And six days later, we're doing it again in New York. 
um, at the uh, the Triad, which is up on the Upper West Side. And um, we had the amazing Carly Hughes, who I love. Uh, she was just in the Encore's production of Cabin in the Sky, if any of you were here in New York and heard about that. Um, Eric Lieberman, who was in the world premiere of Hunchback of Notre Dame out at Paper Mill Playhouse. And he's on vinyl on HBO that just got picked up for second season. Um, the amazing and super sexy Laura Molina, who is one half of the Skivvies. Uh, and if you don't know who the Skivvies are, please Google it right now. The Skivvies NYC. Uh, you won't be disappointed. Um, Bernard Dotson, who is a uh, phenomenal, super supportive, wonderful man who has helped me uh, not only by giving me moral support to do this, these shows, but also by appearing in them several times. Um, uh, hilarious actress named Amy Bizjack and uh, a celebrity interviewer uh, named Adam Rothenberg, who has a little channel called Call Me Adam, where he does interviews with all kinds of Broadway folks. That so those are the two cats coming up. They're kind of amazing. like it's going to be a good time. So I have one yeah. parting gift for you before we have to let you go. I need a, okay. an ING verb from you. Oh, um, and it's still family-friendly, right? Yeah, sure. Okay, so I'm going to say moistening. Okay. I need another, just a regular verb. Um, kick. Okay. And an adjective. Uh, abrasive. So thank you, Billy, for moistening with us today. Remember, you can kick Villain to Blanks in the abrasive city of Los Angeles later this month. I want to. Be, I do want to thank you so much for dropping by again, and hopefully we can have you back on. Maybe we can do some interactive call-in, non-dud people, and do some live little villain to blank stuff in the future. Oh, absolutely. We can. I will happily write us a little custom thing, and we can have people tweet in, and we can pick from the tweets and read read something. That'd be delightful. Sounds like a plan. For those of you out there, remember you can go to villaindeblanks.com or follow along on Twitter at the DeBlanks. We have to take a quick break, but we're going to talk about musical plagiarism. Sounds like fun. Coming up in the next segment. Stay tuned. Crow Call will be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Hey, so fans, are you looking for the inside scoop on your favorite daytime drama series? Well, for 20 years now, soap fans have looked no further than SoapCentral.com. EverydaySoapCentral.com has comprehensive daily recaps of all the happenings on your favorite soap operas. You can take a peek ahead with the scoop for spoilers and previews or share your thoughts with other soap fans from around the world on our bustling message boards. If you're looking for a little history or just looking to settle a bet with a friend, check out hundreds of character profiles and actor biographies. Now you'll know who slept with who, who's related to who, and of course, who's come back from the dead the most times. Plus, there are exclusive interviews, red carpet coverage of the daytime Emmys, and much, much more. So whether you're watching The Young and the Restless, Days of Our Lives, General Hospital, or The Bold and the Beautiful, or if you're reflecting on some of the soaps that are no longer with us, SoapCentral.com will keep you tuning in tomorrow. Now, let's get back to more of this week's Crow Call. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to this week's episode of Crow Call. 
If you're a regular listener, you'll know that there are some recurring themes that pop up here on the show. I usually can't get through a show without talking about food or music, and sometimes it's both. So I had a really great donut just before coming on the air. Now, that'll take care of the food aspect. What do you say we get to the music? Tim English is a recognized authority on the topic of musical plagiarism in pop music. He's appeared on hundreds of radio programs in the U.S., U.K., and Canada. Now he's here on Curl Call. I have to tell you, I'm really excited about it. He's also the author of Sounds Like Teen Spirit, Stolen Melodies, Ripped Off Riffs, and The Secret History of Rock and Roll. Tim, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me on, Dan. I am really, I've been looking forward to this for as long as I knew that you were going to be here because I love talking about music and sort of what you've done. It's funny that I, I do this and we'll be talking later to Orfe. She and I will text each other about, hey, did you hear that new so-and-so song? It sounds an awful lot like another song. Yeah. So this is, this is sort of, I mean, this is it's not really work for me. This is actually going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. So let's, without going into all of the details, let's sort of figure out uh, with a, a generalized idea of how common is musical plagiarism? You know, with the term plagiarism, I think when people hear that, it sort of um, implies that the person uh, is knowingly uh, taking another artist's work. And in many of these cases, I think it's uh, probably a subconscious thing that we can't really tell in most of these cases. But what I try to do in the book is kind of give the background on the cases and, you know, show that the one person at least was familiar with the work of the person they were influenced by or maybe ripped off. Um, but, you know, um, it's, uh, a lot of these it's hard to tell exactly without, you know, getting inside someone's head, whether it was intentional or you know, I think a lot of these cases, it's just something that they heard one time and then they were trying to write their own song and it came out again. So for you, we'll set the backstory here. When did you first know that you loved music? Oh, boy. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm a New Jersey guy, so I grew up in, uh, you know, I'm going back to the early 70s, days of WABC and Dan Ingram and Cousin Brucey and all those guys, and that's kind of <laughs> what got me into it. And then, you know, later on, um, of course, it was WNEW and Scott Muni and Jonathan Schwartz and all those guys. I mean, that's kind of what got me into it, and, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's been a lifetime love, really. So how would, when we're talking about this, and I knew that people respond in a, in a strong way when they hear musical plagiarism, because I think of plagiarism, I think of, you know, all the kids in school who stole other people's term papers while I was the one, you know, doing the research and writing stuff. Now, a lot of yeah. people may think, okay, are you talking about something like a Puff Daddy, where he's pretty much sampled every hit song in music, or is what we're talking about in Sounds Like Teen Spirit something entirely different than that? No, we're not there. I've got a couple of interesting cases of sampling and kind of give the background on that. But most of these cases are the actual songs themselves, the melodies or the riffs that were influenced or taken one from another. I think the one to sort of set the stage so people understand what we're talking about would be, I guess, the most recent and the one of the most well-known cases of a song that sounds an awful lot like another one. Won a Grammy, 2014, Sam Smith's Stay With Me sounded an awful lot like I Won't Back Down from Tom Petty, which was written back in 1989. 
I think I remember hearing something that Sam said he may have been listening to the Tom Petty song when he fell asleep and then he woke up and, you know, magically wrote. This is what my recollection is. I could be wrong. I I may have plagiarized someone else's idea. But uh, that's the history that I remember for this. But it sounded an awful lot alike. They certainly did. And anybody that was familiar with the Petty song, when I first heard Sam Smith stay with me, uh, I immediately recognized it as kind of like a slowed down uh, version of Petty's melody. Uh, the amazing thing is that not only did, um, did Stay With Me win the Grammy a year ago for uh, Record of the Year, it also won for Song of the Year, which honors the songwriters, which um, is quite astounding. By the way, the Record of the Year that was just awarded Monday night, Uptown Funk, they've already had to cut in the authors of an old Gap Band song from 79 called Oops Upside Your Head, as we listen to those songs, they kind of copped the melody from that song, and they've had to uh, credit now the five guys who wrote the Gap Band song. But getting back to Sam Smith and Tom Petty, Sam Smith said, like a lot of these cases that people are accused, say, I never heard that song. Or they say, I don't know why. I don't know that song. I won't back down. And from a legal standpoint, and Sam Smith is a young guy. He was actually born in the early 90s, actually born after that song came out, which is pretty astounding if you want something that'll make you feel old. It does. Um, but, uh, <laughs> so, you know, it's an outside chance he never did hear it, but from a, from a legal standpoint, it doesn't make any difference. If you're, if you violated somebody's copyright, it doesn't matter whether you did it consciously or unconsciously, it's still a violation of the copyright. This case was settled out of court in, uh, late 2014 and then later leaked, uh, to the press. And, uh, Tom Petty and his co-writer, Jeff Lynn from the LO, I believe it was got a 25% share of the publishing on Sam Smith's uh, Stay With Me. And Tom Petty was wanted it, I think. I think both sides probably wanted it, uh, uh, you know, a gag order on it. If you're Tom Petty, you're kind of like a cool, cool hipster rocker. You don't really like the image of being uh, in the court cases accusing other artists yeah. of ripping you off. But uh, I think in this case, it was so obvious that uh, it would have been foolish not to. Well, you say it's pretty obvious. I agree. Let's take a little bit of a listen to the two songs and let the folks out there decide for themselves. I think they sound alike. And actually, when the Sam Smith song comes on, I usually will sing the Tom Petty lyrics. That's just me. That's how my mind works. It's a good mashup. Yeah, well, I'm right with you there. Now, if that isn't the most famous case, I think probably the most famous in terms of the one that got the most press coverage is... Marvin Gaye, Got to Give It Up, Robin Thicke, Blurred Lines. A lot of people say they sound identical. You know, to me, 
I can hear similarities. I don't necessarily know that they're as glaring to me as the one that we just heard here. And I remember, you know, initially uh, Robin Thicke and Pharrell denied that the song sounded the same. And then it became, you know, we were listening to Marvin Gaye and maybe it slipped into my mind. I mean, what's your take on this one? Because this, I, I probably would guess, is at least in modern terms, one of the most discussed cases of songs that may have been lifted from other people. It is, and uh, I agree with you that I don't think the two songs ta- sound, especially from a musical notation standpoint, I don't think they're similar at all. I was talking to an interviewer this afternoon who I said that to, and he said, no, they do sound alike. So this is one of the reasons so many times these things get settled out of court. If you're being accused in these cases and you let it go in front of a jury of non-musicians who you know, really don't have much of a clue about you know, musical notation or how musicians work, you're really rolling the dice, and that's what Pharrell and Robin Thicke did in this case, and they ended up with a over $7 million judgment against them, which they're currently appealing. Um, this case reminded has one thing in common with the Beatles Come Together case where they got sued by uh, the publishers of Chuck Berry's You Can't Catch Me. Uh, the music was somewhat similar and also has a line about a flat-top car, uh, John Lennon told an interviewer when the songs were out about his songwriting process, he said, oh, I often jam on another song, and then I paradise, was the word he used. I do a parody of it and try to change it around and come up with my own song. And he mentioned that he was actually doing that with Chuck Berry's You Can't Catch Me when he came up with Come Together. Uh, but he said the two songs have absolutely nothing to do with each other. They don't sound very much alike, which they don't, but, you know, in one sense, but uh, Robin Thicke did that same thing. He gave an interview to GQ magazine when Word Lines was out and said, yeah, we were trying to, my all-time favorite song has got to give it up by Marvin Gaye, and I was kind of do, do like a tribute to that or do a song in that vein. And, of course, you put something like that out there, it's going to get the attention of, in this case, uh, Marvin Gaye's family. In the book, though, you know, I give kind of the backstory on this, and you mentioned that the songs don't sound all that alike, and I agree, but he's got three other songs at least, which were really pretty clear rip-offs of Marvin Gaye. <laughs> and one of them, uh, Marvin Gaye's family owns the publisher, and they just gave it up without a, without a lawsuit, probably as the result of the bird or lies writing. So I think if you're the Gaye family, you're looking at this guy saying, boy, he's really kind of ripped off our father a couple of times already, and uh, now he's got this massive hit. Maybe now is the time to uh, you know, make pay for not only this, but past sins too. Uh, that's my speculation, but th- there is a strong case that, you know, he's, this is a pattern that Robin Thicke kind of had of, you know, you know, something is an homage, or, but sometimes it gets a little bit too close to being a ripoff, and I think he's crossed that line a couple of times as far as Marvin Gaye goes. Well, uh, I mean, uh, I, like I said, I hear that there are similarities. If those of you out there, if you're just tuning in, I'm chatting with Tim English. He is the author of Sounds Like Teen Spirit. The book is available now. We'll have details and links for that if you follow us on Twitter at Kroll Call Show. If the Marvin Gaye Robin Thicke with the Blurred Lines song, Tim, if that is probably maybe the best known, at least uh, in current generation, uh, cases of songs that may or may not have been lifted, is there one that you would say is maybe the most unusual case of musical borrowing? There are a couple. Uh, I would mention also just in recent cases, uh, Coldplay's song Vita La Vida, they got sued by the guitarist Joe Satriani for ripping off a song that he had in 2004 called If I Could Fly. 
And like Sam Smith, you know, he said, they said, I never heard of Joe Satriani. I never heard the song, which maybe they didn't, but the point was the song was on a major record and they could have heard it. And they ended up settling with Satriani uh, out of court. Um, Unusual cases. I actually have a chapter in the book called Would You Believe? Or just some really bizarro cases. I'm going to just run a couple of them by you real quick. The, The title of the book sounds like Teen Spirit, of course, is a play on the Nirvana song, Smells Like Teen Spirit. And that song believe it or not, had its roots in the Boston song, More Than a Feeling. Uh, when they came up, Kirk Kelbain came up with that riff. He said the other guys were sort of laughing at him. That sounded like Louie Louie or a Boston riff. Yeah. And uh, But, of course, that guitar riff really changed the whole music industry, if you think about it, in 1991. That was the era of the hair bands, for those too young to remember. And once Nirvana <laughs> came along, that was they, those guys were pretty quickly uh, shown the door. So it's kind of strange that this very hip um, band Nirvana would be drawing their inspiration from Boston, who, who may have been a good band, but not exactly a hip reputation. But a couple of, another bizarre case was uh, Bob Marley and his song Buffalo Soldier from 1980. Uh, it's about a very serious kind of topic, the uh, African-American soldiers who fought the Indians out west after the Civil War. But uh, in the middle of that song, he breaks into the melody from the Banana Splits theme uh, for some reason. <laughs> I don't know why, but he does it a couple of times. And uh, in the book, I actually researched this a little bit. Marley lived in Delaware in the late uh, 60s for a while with a family member and uh, may have watched the Banana Splits on Saturday morning. Who knows? Maybe by... Uh, and then there's another strange case of John Lennon's great song, Imagine. His uh, father had put out a novelty record in 1965, really very much. She'd been estranged for John for many, many years. He, he got, a producer got a hold of him, and he put out this uh, novelty record called That's My Life, My Love and My Home, which is kind of a narrated um, uh, song that he did in front of an orchestra. And if you listen to the thing, um, the chord progression and also sort of the stately tone that it has are very reminiscent of what John did with Imagine six years later. Uh, John, there are a couple of stories. John had Brian Epstein quash that record because he was sort of embarrassed by it. But then there are also stories he used to play his father's records, his father's song for Friends is kind of a goof. So we can say he was certainly aware of it. And I think that's a case where, you know, God knows. I mean, he had a lot of songs about his uh, parents and uh, the estrangement that he had, uh, most notably on the Plastic Ono Band album, but you wonder if that was somewhere in his subconscious. Uh, if you listen to it, it seems apparent that it was, if you compare the two songs. I have to ask, you mentioned with John Lennon, I'm surprised. When I think of, of songs that may or may not have been inspired, borrowed, lifted, whatever the term that folks out there are going to get in their head and, and hear... I wouldn't think of the Beatles as being involved in that. If anything, I would think, hey, people are taking and lifting the Beatles music. But from listening and and reading the book and looking at stuff, I found that the Beatles revolution may or may not sound an awful lot like another song, and that George Harrison's My Sweet Lord may or may not sound an awful lot like the Chiffon's He's So Fine. It's sort of surprising to me that you know, arguably one of the, the greatest bands or the greatest groups of, of musicians and singers of all time are a part of what we're talking about. Well, I would agree with you what you said at the beginning, that they've been copied much more than they uh, took stuff from other people. But 
Uh, I devote a good portion of the book to the Beatles just because uh, I, and I think a lot of people, are fascinated with where did they get their ideas for the wonderful music that they made. And um, I'm able to point out a couple, and they were actually very open about their sources of these things. Some they would give, especially John would give interviews where he would, you know, uh, in the case of the song I Feel Fine, if you read the Beatles anthology book, both he and George were on the record as saying, yeah, that was influenced by Bobby Parker's song, uh, Watch Your Step, a really great R&B rocker uh, by a rather obscure American blues guy from Washington, D.C. named Bobby Parker that was not even a big hit here. Got the, like, the lower reaches of the charts here, but somehow John got a hold of it and uh, later built uh, I Feel Fine around that riff. Um, in the case of Revolution, that opening of the song um, is directly lifted uh, kind of crunching guitar and the drums yeah. directly lifted from a, another obscure American R&B song by, by a guy named Pee Wee Creighton, not exactly a household word, called Do Unto Others. Um, and I think one of the things, you know, I try to provide people new insights into this music, and, you know, maybe you've heard that song a million times, but if you compare it and hear it where it came from, you'll never hear it quite the same way again. And it really shows that all of the Beatles were just great, music fans themselves. I mean, the fact that John Lennon would be familiar with these really obscure American yeah. R&B records that people still don't know even today, um, you know, showed that he was really a music lover, just like all of us are. Big, uh, very quick, though, before we move on to one last thing, let's take a listen to one of the songs that I mentioned. Let's listen to how He's So Fine sounds like My Sweet Lord. Let's take a little listen. So, Tim, the reason I like all of these songs is basically every song sounds just like another song. So there's only, what, three songs? <laughs> Maybe that's what it is. Everything else is just a derivation of everything else. <laughs> they say that there are only, like, uh, seven stories, too. Like <laughs> I think that's about right. Seven I want to make stories. sure... Before we run out of time, there is another song that sort of uh, plays into what we're talking about, and it also touches on a little bit of a, of a sad note. Ice Ice Baby and Under Pressure, uh, I believe if I'm not mistaken, that was also in the very beginning. Someone said, no, 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 this, these two songs don't sound anywhere near the same. Of course, David Bowie died last month at 69. Is this one of the, maybe one of the first cases where people really became aware of, of sampling and borrowing and the whole denying process that it was actually really happening? Yes, because that was in 1990. And at that time, it was kind of the Wild West as far as sampling went. It was only at the, two years later, there was a land case involving it was Biz Markey, and he had uh, sampled the old Gilbert O'Sullivan song, Alone Again Naturally. And Gilbert O'Sullivan said, you're using my song. I want a piece of that. And so after that, uh, really just years since, anybody who's sampling anything gets a clearance 
beforehand. But they, I don't think the ice record, ice, uh, ice baby record, was a sample. It sounded like a sample. I don't believe it actually was, but it certainly had taken the uh, musical element from the David David Bowie and Queen song. If no one believes it, we will have a little bit of that snippet online. I'm sure in the meantime, you can Google it and find out. Tim, there's a lot more to talk about. We're out of time. We may have to do this as a two-parter, to-be-continued comeback, because you also have another book called Popology, the music of the era in the lives of four icons in the 1960s. That I want to talk about as well. But as I said, we're out of time. But this has been a lot of fun. Yeah, it sure has. And I'd be glad to come back and discuss more of this or, uh, or the other book, too. Sounds like fun. For those of you out there, I know that you want more. Here's the information. The website is soundsliketeenspirit.com. The book is Sounds Like Teen Spirit, Stolen Melodies, Ripped Off Riffs, and the Secret History of Rock and Roll. Or follow Tim on the Twitter machine at Tim English Books. Tim, again, thank you so much for hanging out with us today. Hey, it's been a lot of fun. Thank you, Tim. We're going to take a quick break, but we're going to come back and talk to someone who's had one of her songs borrowed with those infamous air quotes stay tuned curl call will be right back stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast all the time the number one internet talk station where your opinion counts voiceamerica.com hey soap fans are you looking for the inside scoop on your favorite daytime drama series well for 20 years now soap fans have looked no further than soapcentral.com Everyday SoapCentral.com has comprehensive daily recaps of all the happenings on your favorite soap operas. You can take a peek ahead with the scoop for spoilers and previews or share your thoughts with other soap fans from around the world on our bustling message boards. If you're looking for a little history or just looking to settle a bet with a friend, check out hundreds of character profiles and actor biographies. Now you'll know who's slept with who, who's related to who, and of course, who's come back from the dead the most times. Plus, there are exclusive interviews, red carpet coverage of the daytime Emmys, and much, much more. So whether you're watching The Young and the Restless, Days of Our Lives, General Hospital, or The Bold and the Beautiful, or if you're reflecting on some of the soaps that are no longer with us, SoapCentral.com will keep you tuning in tomorrow. Now, let's get back to more of this week's Kroll Call. Welcome back to this week's wonderful musical episode of Kroll Call. We're talking about all sorts of fun things here. And my next guest is a friend of the show who's taking a break from rehearsing for a one-night-only sold-out Lincoln Center concert where she'll share the stage with her equally lovely and talented husband, Andy Carl. She's charted on the Billboard charts as part of the pop duo Oren Moore. She's nabbed a Tony nomination for her work as Paulette in Legally Blonde. She's been known to enjoy creme brulee and... She actually has some experience on today's topic of musical plagiarism. Orfe, what is going on? What is going Well, I mean, I, thank you for having me on. I needed a break from all the belting and screaming, so I actually have a voice to do the concert with tomorrow night, so thank you. Well, we'll turn up the volume on your side so that you can whisper all of your answers if you need to. <laughs> Quickly, well, let me I, get an ear monitor for this. <laughs> yeah, I know that we have a, it's a really short segment. I do want to mention uh, the show, of course. I, I'm lucky, when you have connections and ins, I've seen a preview and bits and pieces of the show that's coming tomorrow. I can't believe it's tomorrow already. What can folks expect? I can't expect? believe it's tomorrow, I know. What can folks can expect, expect from what are you going to do? 
Well, I'll tell you what it's not. It's not a cabaret show. It's definitely a pop rock show. It, it is still the American Songbook because Andy and I are definitely performing show, you know, songs from the Broadway shows we've done or perhaps Broadway duets we didn't get to do together that we would have always liked to have done together or, you know, without giving too much away, certainly songs that we're, quote, you know, those air quotes again, that we're known for, you know, so there is certainly the American songbook, you know, vis-a-vis the Broadway body of work that we've done, but there's also some pop stuff that you know, because you've seen a lot of my concerts that you know we enjoy doing. Mm -hmm. I'm really hoping that everyone is able to walk away from the concert having been satisfied in some way with regards to their musical taste. You know what I'm saying? So there's no, I do. definitely something for the hardcore Broadway fans. There's definitely something for the pop fans. You know, as, as long as the, the body of songs is enjoyable, you know, as long as Andy and I love it, we can make, you know, we can make it the best it can possibly be so that you love it. You know what I mean? We're not doing a, whole, a bunch of jo- songs that are like, oh, God, I can't believe we have to do this song because I don't think that translates well to an audience. Now, uh, as I mentioned, we, we're running long on the whole show, so we probably aren't going to have as much time to talk about as many things as I want to. I do want to mention that the series that you're taking part in here, I mean, other folks who have already performed this season, Vanessa Williams, Rita Moreno, Foreigner, lots of fun stuff there. Let's get right to the thing that people want to hear about, and we have only like a minute to talk about it. You've had one of your songs that's been lost from your control how does this happen? I mean, you're an artist who's had a song that's Well, here's been the interesting taken. thing. Tim is really, you know, we're, you, we're all right. You and I do call each other all the time and go, oh, my God, that song's totally this song. And then we'll be able to sing the lyrics from the other song to the melody of the other song. And it's blatant plagiarism. A lot of times people get away with it because when it happened to us, it happened to Oren Moore. And we were able to do the one thing that's really important where, you know, if, like Tim was saying, the Coldplay said, we never heard of that group. That's very possible. When you can claim access, that's when you have a slam dunk. But unfortunately, in our case, we could claim access because the person who ripped off our song had the same manager as we did at the time. So it was not a far stretch to think that the manager who had 400 demos of ours, and we did, you know, as you know, probably 350 songs before we came down to the last 13 that we put on the Orrin Moore CD. And we had many managers, and we had a lot of things. You know, it was, it was a nightmare from jump, other than when we were in the studio making the actual record. You know, that person managed the artist that stole the song and managed us at the same time. So, again, it wasn't a, it wasn't a big stretch to say, oh, he played our demo for those songwriters and said, you know, do something like this. And then when we went to the musicologist, which is the other thing you need, you have to hire a musicologist to say, hmm, yes, there's a viable case here. Eleven out of the twelve notes of the chorus were exactly identical. Okay? It's funny that you mention that as we're zipping up here. There's another song that I heard that sounds an awful lot like one of your songs, and I have a clip if you're ready. Oh, God, what? This may be, you may not have heard this. Let's take a listen to the clip. Okay. I've been a lover and I've been your friend. Everything you keep it, need. Keep listening. Sounds an awful lot. Still somehow you're not satisfied. Tell me, baby, what you want from me. I've been your beggar and I've been your queen. Got down on my knees. I've been everything that I could be. Tell me, baby. Here it 
What do you want from me? Okay, so the two songs don't sound anything like each other, but Adina not Howard even a little. <laughs> not even a close. But Adina Howard will be here next week. I had to put that in there. I have so some excited. fun. With some you know, samples, so. you know, we're her, we're her two biggest fans. You know that. I kind of think that we are. Uh, I didn't mean yeah. to cut off your whole story of the how things were going, but I wanted to make sure we'd read a time and I got to do all the craziness that's going on here. We so. love you, Adina Howard. Pump, pump. <laughs> Pump, pump, and she will be here <laughs> freaking it up and down next Yay! week on the show. In the, the bit that we have, we have maybe 90 seconds. Let everybody okay. know where they can find you. Let's pimp Andy's stuff that we can talk about as well, since he's not here, but, you know, that's what you do. You're we can, married. Gosh, we can, we're pretty easy to find. You can find me on Twitter at official underscore Orfe, and you can find me on Instagram at just Orfe because someone stole underscore official underscore Orfe right as Instagram uh, came to be. So you can find me at official underscore Orfe on Twitter at Orfe on Instagram. Andy Carl is Andy underscore Carl everywhere because, yeah, that happened. And uh, that's where you can find us. And they know where to find you and they know where to find Tim and Adina Howard. Now they know where to find all of us. Maybe we will all be in the same place at the same time and we can take an epic selfie. It'll be great. That would be amazing. Yes. Well, I'm going to let you get back to preparing for your show because it's going to be amazing. I would tell people to go and race out and and line up for tickets, but they can't because everybody else has wanted to see you, and that's that's kind of amazing. Thank God I'm not playing to an empty house like that time they said the wrong date for the Orrin Moore concert, and only three people were in the audience. Just here. Thank you. (laughs) All right. Well, I want to thank you, Orfe, for hanging out. We're going to have you back. We're going to do some more musical shows. I know people loved our lost hits of the 80s and 90s, so we'll have to give them what they want. Yes. All right. Well, thanks, you guys. I also want to thank my other guests this week, Tim English, whose book Sounds Like Teen Spirit, Stolen Melodies, Ripped Off Riffs, and the Secret History of Rock and Roll is available now. And also Billy Mitchell. Be sure to check out VillainDeBlanks.com for upcoming appearances and performances of Villain Blanks. Now, if you missed any part of today's show or if you want to borrow it, there's those air quotes, again, you can check it out anytime on demand at CrowCall.com or on iTunes where you can download any episodes of the podcast for free. Next week, as I said, we've got more music. It's a nice 90s aura and B throwback with Silk and Adina Howard. So if you're a freak like me or just want to lick me up and down, who writes this? Be sure to tune in next week. It's going to be a good time. But until then, the next time the phone rings, pick it up. Pump, pump. It could be the Kroll Call. Have a great week, everybody. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.